In studying the fruits of the spirits, spirit, really of spirit instead of spirits. If it's spirits, then we got to wonder, okay, what's going on? So, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. That's where we are this morning. Is it meekness? And uh, you can turn to your. Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Webster's Dictionary defines meekness as a, as mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked, nor irritated, yielding, given to remembrance for our forbearance under injuries, appropriately humble in an evangelical sense, uh, submissive to the divine will, not proud, self-sufficient, or refractory, not peevish, and apt to com- uh, and apt to complain of divine dispensations. A proud look themselves as for sufficiency, direction, uh, instruction by uh, their own means, but the weak look to God to submit themselves to uh, his will and doings. Meekness is not a mousiness, as some may lead you to think it is. It is well exhibited by the men of God, like Moses, who was said to be the meekest man on the face of the earth. Men like Moses were not weak, but they had spirit, power, and strength under complete control, submission to the will of on the, uh, to the will and direction of God. And then the first one I ask, ask you to turn to is 2 Corinthians 10, 1. It says, Now Paul, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Meekness and humility toward the yoke of God bring submissive Christian, a submissive Christian to a place of rest. The meekness of our Lord Jesus Christ lightens our load, lightens the load. According to Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 and through 30, come unto me, all ye at labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. The meekness of the Lord Jesus Christ chose to ride upon the ass in his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Christ was a king by reputation and not uh, by ornamentation. In verse 11, the, the people uh, acknowledge him to be more than a king. They acknowledge him as God. And it's just an interesting thing about this. Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they were come uh, to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus 
two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you. Straightway you shall find an ass tied, <clears throat> an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. You notice in this particular case, it was both. You want the mom and the little child there, the little colt. If any man ask you what you ought, uh, say, say, uh, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye uh, the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, a full, uh, a colt full of an ass. And the disciples went and they did as Jesus commanded. And they brought the ass and the colt and put their, uh, on them their clothes. And they set him thereon. And there's a great multitude spread their garments in the way, and the others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and followed cried, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. And they said, Who is this? Who is this? The multitude said. And this is Jesus, the prophet of, uh, of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple overthrew tables of the money changers in the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer but ye have made it a den of thieves. Now, in that whole thing, we see their meekness presented because he came on that colt, or, you know, on that ass, I should say. But yet, when he got to the temple, he cleaned house. He got people out of there and said, hey, this is not what you're supposed to be doing here. The money changers and all that stuff were work. It was for their own benefit, for their own profit. And it's just an interesting thing. We're talking about the meekness of of Christ, yet he was strong too. And he followed the law. So you see meekness in him, but you also see the strength in him and the strength of the law in him being the Son of God. I turn to John chapter 18, verse 33. John 18, 33. John says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it to thee? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world, but my kingdom, but if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. 
and they should not be delivered to the uh, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To the end I was born, and for this cause came I into the world, and I should be that I should bear witness of the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Ye have a custom that you should release one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release you, uh, the king of the Jews? Well, you know the answer to that, that it didn't happen. But, you know, Pilate had the opportunity, you know, to hear what truth really was from the man of truth, Jesus Christ, and he turned his back on him and walked out. Something else. It's He had, he could have known what salvation was, that the king of salvation, the king of the of the world, and the future king is was standing right in front of him. So that was Christ by uh, for our example, as a person who was meek. Now, when it come down to it, he could lay down the law. So he would lay down that law, driving out the money changers and everything like this. But he was also meek in dealing with people that may be interested to hear the gospel and understand what he was here for. Meekness is a grace which Jesus alone <clears throat> inculcated in, uh, in which no ancient philosopher seems to have understood or recommended. That was from a guy named Buck, Buckmeister, Minster, Buckminster. Don't know the guy, but it's a good saying. Put in perspective on things. The second category under the lesson of meekness is the meek shall inherit the earth. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven uh, suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew eleven twelve basically shows the great power grab under Satan's domain. He wants to have this power. He's trying to take the power away from Jesus Christ. Wrestle it away. What does what does Satan want to do? He wants to set himself up as king. That's going to be taking us even into the future, which we haven't seen yet, <clears throat> and that's you know through the Antichrist and trying to set up himself as power. And we know that if you've read your Bible, we know that that is not going to be the outcome. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So you know that the glory of the gospel of Christ can shine, shine forth to us. It, it, it's revealing, and it reveals to us his strength, his majesty, also his meekness, and that he is in control of his faculties of everything. Turn to Psalms chapter 37. Psalms chapter 37 in your hymnal, starting at verse 8. Psalms 37, verse 8. <clears throat> the wicked power grabbers of our day will soon be cut off, and the meek will inherit the prize that the greedy sought after sought after by the wrong means. Psalms 37, 8 through 13. Cease from anger. Forsake truth. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while the wicked shall not be. Yea, yea. Thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And the wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord will laugh at him. The Lord will laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. So we see in that that God is just he's trying to establish the the fact that control and meekness uh well one thing run hand in hand in the fact that the bulls that are the power grabbers and those that are the the people of society who think they know better than God and try to run things in this country without having God's voice in all their thoughts and in that that there is no rational reason for some of the things that that the lost do because they don't understand they don't understand that there's a divine power that's in play <clears throat> and, and a divine, excuse me, a divine purpose. <clears throat> Turn to Matthew 5.5. Uh, 5. <clears throat> Matthew 5.5. 5. This is not, give me a hard time here. Let me get some water. What does Matthew 5 5 say? Yes. They shall inherit the earth. Psalms chapter 147, verse 6. The Lord lifteth up the meek and casteth the wicked down to the ground. (laughs) 
I, I can just imagine God grabbing hold of Satan and just poof, throwing him down, casting him away, casting him into everlasting fire. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter two, verse 10. We see that uh, now that the, there's a millennial inheritance for Christians involved with all this t- too. Here it says, therefore, uh, verse 10, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall live also uh, also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So if we get in a situation and we're just denying God, he's he's just going to back away and say, hey, listen, you got to learn some lessons here. So that was basically uh, that the meek shall inherit the earth. And the third topic is, topic is examples and admonitions to weakness. Turn to Numbers chapter 12. So we're way back and looking at something with Moses and Miriam and Aaron here. Chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Of numbers, and Miriam and, and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he that married, uh, for he had married the Ethiopian woman, and they said, "Hath God, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses?" So they're trying to usurp authority here. So, and they say, has he not also by, spoken as by us? And the Lord heard it. And the man, now the man, Moses, was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and Miriam, Come out ye three unto the temple of the congregation. And they came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. Uh, okay, it got a pillar of cloud, and it's showing up here. And uh, are we in trouble? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a problem here? The pillar, and they're right there. And stood in the door of the tabernacle and called uh, Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth. God commuted direct, communicated directly with Moses. 
and in dark speeches and similitude of God uh, shall he behold in there then were ye were not afraid against the servant of Moses the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed and the cloud departed from the tabernacle and behold Miriam became leprous white as snow and Aaron looked <clears throat> upon Miriam and behold, she was leprous, and Aaron, uh, Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we are, uh, have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of her mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, Heal her now. O Lord, beseech thee. And God did exactly that. Healed her. Because of, because of Moses asked God to do that. Turn to uh, Numbers chapter 11. So we're in 12. We'll just back up one. We'll see a few verses here. In 11, then we're going to go to 14 of Numbers. Numbers 11, 1 and 2 says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the, of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and Moses prayed unto the Lord, and the fire was quenched. So there was a situation where there was fire through the camp. And God heard the prayers and stopped. And then go uh, skip to verse 10 of the same chapter. And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And the Lord said on, or Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou inflicted my servant, thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldst say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father bearing a sucking child into the land which thou swearest to their fathers? When should I have uh, flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep upon me saying, give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee out of thy hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. So, you know, even Moses is having a tough time with this thing. He's in charge of all this whole group. You know, I don't know how many thousands that were there. And he is trying to get them fed and taken care of 
And then, of course, they're complaining about the food because it's manna and it's, you know, birds or whatever that, that they can eat and things like that. And it's, you know, I like a balanced diet. Can we have a salad sometime? You know, it just, you know, some things that go like that, you know. And, uh, and then in Numbers chapter 14, verse 10, so skip to Numbers uh, 14. <clears throat> and all the congregation bade stone upon the, uh, stone them with stones, bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it ere that they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation, mightier than they. What is God saying there? We're going to wipe out everybody. We're just going to, and I'm going to just start with you, Moses, and, and your family, and maybe Aaron, and well, who knows? You know, and it, and that's you know, it's a, you know, of course God knows, but He's God is just saying, okay, we can start from scratch here. If they have that big a problem with believing in me and and following you, we can start from scratch and get this thing going again. But look at Moses. He says, uh, and Moses said unto the Lord. Then the Egyptians shall hear it. Ooh, he's throwing a card in there. Hey, look at this card. The nations of Egypt will, will see it. See? And you pull them out of Egypt and you took care of them through the Red Sea and everything. Now, what are they going to say? You hear it for, thou brought us this people in thy might among them. And they will tell all the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou art, Lord, uh, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, that thou goest before them. In that daytime, the, the pillar of cloud, uh, and in the pillar of fire by night. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then shall the nations, then the nations, uh, which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them. Therefore, he will, he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according to thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and great of mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to the uh, greatness of thy mercy that thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. 
But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Here's Moses standing up for the people and stands up to the point where, you know, you, you really think that the, that the Lord had to have a lesson here? You know, that he, that the Lord had to, the Lord God had to say, okay, um, I think I'll change my mind. You changed my mind, so I won't kill him. You know, and, and yeah, I don't want Egypt to be in, you know, that, that was still all in divine, uh, in his divine power to do, but yet in that, he was also teaching a lesson to Moses when Moses was trying to teach a lesson to God about, you know, not destroying Israel, but also that it was also helping Moses to establish himself greater as a leader amongst the Israel people. You know, is God the type of person to just change his mind? Does he just change his mind? Okay, I won't, I won't, well, should we feel bad for the devil? Maybe we shouldn't cast him into the lake of fire. No, that's going to happen, you know. So God doesn't change. God is changeless. What he says goes. But it was their lesson to me in this thing, just so Moses would gain strength and the people would realize that God is with Moses entirely. And that through that, that situation, you need to pay attention to what Moses says. Look at Psalms chapter 25. The meek are, uh, are teachable and learn God's judgments. Psalms 25, 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his ways. Turn to Psalms 149.4. Psalms 149.4. i got to turn to another one here. 149.4 is the meek are in the position to receive God's salvation. You gotta humble yourself to be saved. You gotta realize salvation, and when you, when you ask Jesus Christ to save you, you realize that you could not do this on your own. You needed divine intervention from God to be saved. And that was just because you asked Him and you trusted Him. So, 149.4 says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people and will uh, beautify the meek with salvation. In James chapter 1, verse 21, 121 says, Wherefore, lay apart all thy filthiness and superfluity, of naughtiness and receive with meekness the gra- the engrafted word which is able to save your souls interesting word engrafted 
and, and especially in this situation. So he is planting the word of God in us. You know, and we have that written. And this is where we do the implanting from here. But at time of James, what did they have? What did they have in their hand? They had Old Testament, but they didn't have any of the New Testament at all. So they had to learn a lot of this from the Old Testament. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. The Christian is to put on meekness. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Put on, therefore, the elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If there's, if there any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, it just, as children of God, we should be each other's best friend. And it, it's not always the case, you know, because we have, we have pride. And the pride is the thing that ends up messing with us and showing us, okay, we have a situation that we are not willing to control and are not willing to, to bow to meekness and humbleness before God and before the person that there's an offense or a problem with. <clears throat> and sometimes you go to somebody asking for forgiveness and they don't grant you forgiveness. So what do you do? You hold it against them because they don't, you know, don't give you that forgiveness or say, I'm not going to forgive you. No, you, you've done what you're supposed to do. You've gone to them. And what you do is you just let that thing work. Let the power of the Word of God and, and the Holy Spirit work in that person's heart and, and change that situation. <clears throat> and eventually, when God has worked in their heart, <clears throat> enough, enough that what will happen is it'll all change. It'll all change. <clears throat> so in First Timothy chapter six, verse eleven through twelve, but thou, o man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the of on eternal life, where until thou art called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So we see in in that that and well turn to first Peter chapter three. And seeing in that the Christian is to put on meekness. It's re, it's a cloak almost to you. It should 
hey, as guilty as anybody that I don't always show that cloak. I don't always throw that on and say, okay, I have meekness. Pride always enters into everybody's life sometime or another. And we got to be cautious of that or we won't be a good servant of God to present the gospel and to show the meekness that was presented in Christ and was necessary for us to strengthen ourselves in it. So I don't know if that made a lot of sense to you. It made sense to me. But the thing is, it, it's one of those things that God has called us to be different. As a Christian, we are supposed to be different. We're not going to be always accepted by the world, but that's not why we got saved. We got there to be an example to Christ and hopefully bring them to Christ just through prayer and encouragement and and, and let God work in somebody's life. And there might be something that gets them in trouble somewhere. Or it might be a situation where, I'll give you a good example. I worked in a shop, and they knew I was a Christian. And not I wasn't always as good as I needed to be, because I was still pretty young in the Lord. But this uh, one guy, oh, you're a Christian, blah, 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 until it came to the one day that his daughter, who had had a lot of physical problems, a lot, blindness and things like that, she just had some real issues, some real issues. And he came to me in tears one day, would you pray for my daughter? So, and I did. I says, I will definitely pray for your daughter. And uh, so the, the lost will come, seeking your guidance through prayer and what have you. And you got to show that power of meekness so that people will understand that you're serious about what God did for you. First Peter, it's in, uh, verse chapter three. First Peter three, uh, starting in verse one. Likewise, ye wives, be subjection to your own husbands. If any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won in the conversation of the wives, while they behold the chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be uh, that outward adorning of plating a hair and, and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God, uh, in the sight of God is great price. Talking to the wives. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent not. And in one thirty, they would none of my counsel, and they despised all my reproof. So we see where God is trying to work in people's lives, trying to work through his servants, us, 
In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that was basically the examples of the admonishment. And we're in the, the next topic is the grace of meekness is to season our service. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, And the spirit of the Lord must not strive. The spirit, I'm sorry, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And then finally, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Turn there. First Peter 3:15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you what reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And when I was first saved, I, I was proud to be a Christian. And that's really what it was, was pride. When somebody asked me, I ruined more to- topics of of witnessing because of a proud attitude. The fact, okay, I'm going to heaven and you're not. And I I had to get knocked down a few pegs to realize that I have to approach this with them looking for answers, for them needing a savior, and for me to have this meekness and not a prideful spirit so that they can hear the gospel, not looking at me, but hearing through me of what is the right things. And to, to be somebody that cares for that person and to try to bring the gospel of Christ to them. You gotta do it with meekness. You can't do it with pride. So, that was a lesson in meekness. And then the let, we have one more lesson involved in this. And that last one is temperance. 
So let's bow for a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us uh, on the cross, Lord, and in the meekness that you came, you know, and showed yourself to Israel and in, in meekness of other people who had a, a good understanding of what it was to be meek and, and to bring the gospel to us, Lord, that, that, that through it we were able to get saved because it wasn't through pride. It wasn't through anything else. It was, it was through one thing, fear, realizing being lost, we were going to be cast in the lake of fire someday. In the fact that we didn't want to go to hell. We didn't want to be cast into that lake of fire, but it was your grace that brought the message to us through somebody else that trusted in you with meekness and with wisdom to bring the gospel to us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be with this uh, rest of the service this day, Lord. May Jesus Christ be honored and glorified. Be with pastor as he teaches us and preaches to us, Lord, that, that you would give him wisdom and, and, the, and, uh, and give him strength physically also, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.